You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. Life sometimes can be that way in those seasons. I want to preach about that if I can a little bit this morning. If you have your Bible, stand together with me as we go to the Word of the Lord. So good to have all of our guests with us today and families. Hope you have a blessed, blessed weekend here on Memorial Day. Amen. Psalm chapter number 16. I want to read two verses of Scripture here, and then we'll come back to it. But this will be my main text in verses 8 and 9. Psalm 16, verses 8 and 9. If you look at the title in your Bible, a lot of times before verse 1 starts, it will say, Uh, either a song of David or a psalm, which a psalm by definition is a poem that is set to melody, to notes. But in this one, it is a a mictum of David. There's only a couple places where that's used. It's just a poem, but it's referred to as a golden poem. And David writes this. This is about himself. It does have some hints of... uh, Messianic prophecy here as well, as we'll see. But David, we are seeing his resolution, his resolve here in verse 8. Psalm 16 and 8 says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory Rejoiceth, my flesh also shall rest in hope. He says, I have set the Lord always before me. Therefore, my heart is glad. Can you lay your Bibles down and let's ask the Lord to anoint his word to our heart today. God, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit today. And I ask in this house this morning, that your faith, God, would arise in our heart. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I give you glory and honor and praise in this house, in Jesus' name. And somebody said amen. Amen. God bless you as you're seated this morning. I'm preaching to someone today who is is feeling like living for God is drudgery. Maybe you feel that there are more frustrations now than before you gave your life in devotion to the Lord. Maybe someone is allowing depression to rule them, or you've approached Christianity in suspicion. Maybe you are that person who is looking and waiting for something to go wrong. But I'm also preaching For those today that have refused to give in, refused to give up, throw in the towel. Those who still have joy, those who are holding on to hope and refuse to buy in to the lies of spiritual fake news as we heard last Sunday morning, who choose rather to believe the report of the Lord. Amen. 
In Hebrews, it's fitting that on this Memorial Day weekend, we at least acknowledge and reference Hebrews chapter number 12. Memorial Day is a time where we pause to reflect and give honor on those that have passed on, who have served our nation or our community, maybe even our families, but are no more. We pause and thank God for them. Hebrews chapter 11 does so also in the kingdom of God by acknowledging some heroes, we would say, of faith. And then in chapter 12, the author says, seeing that we are compassed, surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses, of testimonies, of memorials, of people who have gone on, who have paid the price, fought the fight, and won the victory, he says, let us also run with patience. And then in verse 2, Hebrews 12 and 2, he says this, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The New Living Translation says it this way, We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross disregarding its shame. I'm going to tell you that just like Christ, there is joy waiting for us. Christ was our ultimate example. He comes to this earth to make a way to be the mediator and the propitiation of our sins. And yet he must have endured a cross. But he willingly endured the cross, the Bible says, because of the joy that was set before him. There was a joy that the writer of Hebrews says was awaiting him, and it was with that in view that Christ continued on. Today, I want to help somebody. I want to put joy back in your vision. I want to put joy back in your pathway. I want you to see that you have something to live for, that there is more ahead in the kingdom of God than you've ever left behind, that there's more worth holding on to than there is letting go. Somebody put your hands together for the Lord this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah, amen. There is a joy awaiting us, and we sang a little bit about that. Everybody will be happy. We'll be happy over there. Amen. Come on, we're going to sing and shout God's praises. Everybody will be happy over there. Hallelujah. That's what I'm living for. That's what I'm looking for. Amen. But I got good news that that joy we will experience there can be felt and experienced even now in portion and in part. I want to take you, if I can, to Psalm chapter number 92. And here we see another passage, another passage Psalm 92, of, of resilience in the Christian's 
life or the life of the believer, let's say. It's a psalm or song for the Sabbath day, and they would sing this on the Sabbath. They would begin, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. He goes on, and I want to draw your attentions down to verse number 12, jumping through this. And this is a declaration. It is a proclamation. It is a truth. It was something that they would sing every Sabbath. They would recall this song and they would begin to sing this song on the Sabbath day. They would, they would every seven days pause and, and praise God and magnify God. But this was something that was sang in the house. This was something that was sang in the temple every seven days. I think this is good for us. Maybe if you want to put a passage of Scripture in your life, just interject it to put it in, in, in your weekly routine. In verse 12, he declares, The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. I find it interesting because here they are praising and magnifying God. But as they are praising and magnifying the Lord, they speak and they declare truth about their life. I'm here to tell you that there is more that takes place when we come to church on Sunday and we sing. There's more than just us gathering together and singing songs and making music. When we come into the house of the Lord and we begin to praise God, there is truth that is being proclaimed. Not only truth about the Lord, but truth about ourselves and truth about you. This, is, this was the routine. The righteous shall flourish like the palm and he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Let's look at what he's saying here. Number one, he's talking about the righteous. He's talking about those that have given their life to God, that are living in submission and in salvation from the Lord Almighty. He's not talking about the unrighteous. He's not talking about the ungodly. He's not talking about the uncommitted. He's not talking about the fringe crowd. He's not talking, here it is, about those that are just hanging around for the blessing of the Lord, but they're not willing to put their shoulder in when it's time to invest or it's time to commit or it's time to stand together. What he's talking about is the righteous. He's talking about those that are 100% committed, those that aren't looking back. Those that have laid down their life, I feel the Holy Ghost. Those that have washed their hands. Those that have set themselves aside for the king of all kings. In another place, they declared in Psalm 24, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his 
holy place. And they said, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he will receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Amen. This is who we're talking about today. Those that have allowed God to be their Savior, that have allowed God to clean their hands and give them a new heart. Those that are now sanctified to stand in the presence of Almighty God. That's who we're talking about. And when they come in on the Sabbath and they would begin to sing the song of praise as they magnify God, as they lifted up their voice, they declared truth not only about Him but about themselves. And here's what they declared. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. It was not a maybe. It was not an if. It was not a possibility. It was an absolute. Just as God is God, just as God is righteousness, those who have his righteousness imputed in their life, they shall flourish like the palm tree. Looking at this, it tells me something about myself. It tells me that if I am the righteous, that if I have submitted my life to the Lord, that if I have positioned my life in the place for His salvation, that I also shall flourish. And if I'm not flourishing, it's not because God's Word is broken, it's because something in me is broken down. Hear me this morning. If I'm not flourishing, it's not because God's word's not true. It's not because, amen, it's somebody else's fault. That means there's something inside of me that's wrong. There's something inside of me that I've got to get right. That's why when I come into the house of the Lord and I begin to sing the praises of God, you can't go very far into praise and worship without falling on an altar of repentance and saying, God, you're holy, and God, I need you, and God, I haven't been praising you every day, and that's not your fault, but God, that's my fault. i got to get back. In that place of being the called and the chosen of God. But if we have positioned ourselves, we can stand on this absolute truth with confidence and declaration. And we can say the righteous shall flourish. Amen. There is no argument. There is no debate that depression or despair or anxiety can win in the life of the righteous. Because whatever stands in front of us, we have a more sure word of prophecy. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. And he shall grow, amen, what does he say? Like the cedar in Lebanon. So what does it mean to flourish like a palm tree? My wife went and bought a little palm tree the other day. I think she was hoping that it would get warm, and now I'm blaming this heat spell on her. It's a short little thing, short little thing. You put it outside, put it in a, in a pot there, and, and uh, got a little palm tree. And uh, palm trees are interesting because they grow straight up, and uh, they don't have leaves all the way up, but there is a focus 
and their focus is at the top. The focus of all the fruit, the focus of the palm leaves, the focus of everything's at the top. And uh, palm trees grow. There they go shooting right up. They flourish. They break forth. And there it is. That's what this means here in this passage in Scripture. I remember driving uh, uh, from Jerusalem down to the Dead Sea. And, and uh, the in, entire, probably took us about maybe, I don't know, an hour maybe to get there. And the entire time we're going downhill. And we came to the Dead Sea. And then we went around the Dead Sea uh, after pausing there for a, a quick little swim. We went around the Dead Sea to Masada and out into the desert. And as we went past, there were the date palm groves, and wow, there they were, beautiful, and uh, just, just the expanse, tall, and just as far as you could see, just palm trees, date palms, and of course, it was really cool because on, on, as we're riding in the air-conditioned bus through the desert, we're driving past the date palms, and then they started passing out fresh dates, and, and uh, got to eat the date palms as we're driving through, looking at that, wow, there it is, and here, the psalmist writes, Something that they would have seen, they would have been, they would have been ex exposed to. It wasn't native, they understood it. That the righteous shall flourish like the palm. That the palm is flourishing. That word there, flourish, the Hebrew word there means literally to break forth as bud, to spread. And, and it even can mean to fly, to soar. That there is this sudden breaking forth there. There's this all of a sudden, this flight, this height that is attained. It seems like it's just this breaking forth. I'm going to tell you, the day that you commit your life to God, the moment and the hour that you come to an altar of repentance and that you with the fullness of heart are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, there is a breaking forth. There is a height. There is a soaring that takes place. There is an ascension that happens. There is something that takes place, amen, in your life that immediately you know, wow, I never felt that before. I don't know what this is. This, this, is, this is unlike anything else I, I've ever been a part of. There is a flourishing, a breaking forth that takes place in the heart and the life of the believer, the palm tree, it grows straight up. It, it grows straight up. And there the focus is at the top. It's, its focus is upward. It's lifting you up. Can I tell you, you know what this world needs? This world needs an uplifting. We need an uplifting in life. If we're not careful, we can get beaten down by the storms and the wind and the rain. We need an uplifting. But I'm here to tell you, the righteous shall flourish. There's something different. Amen. In the life of the spirit-filled believer, yes, the winds blow, and yes, the rains come, but, but you get up in the morning, and you can't even explain it, and you just say, enough is enough. This is the day which the Lord hath made, and there's something inside of your soul, amen, that lifts you up. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I thank God, amen, for the power of the Holy Ghost. Come on, it's something that, that, that the things of this world, that, that, that the, the, the attractions of this world will never do for you and never satisfy. Amen. No, nobody ever goes and, and drinks themselves drunk that they don't end up with a hangover. Amen. There's always a negative fallout on that. Nobody goes and binges away their life on Netflix and walks away and saying, wow, I feel so great. No, they end up at the psychologist's couch because they're 
you're miserable. Amen. But I'm going to tell you, if you will just praise and magnify God, there is something that lifts you up. Oh, can I get a witness in the house? There's something that will lift you up. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. And then he says, not only does he flourish like the palm tree, he says, but he shall grow like the cedar in Lebanon. So, so they would have been familiar with the cedar tree too. They would have been familiar with the cedar tree too. The cedars were a, 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 a tree that grew in uh, the area of Lebanon, which of course... Lebanon, the Hebrew word for Lebanon there, literally means white mountain. It was the area where the snow would fall, a place where the winters were harsh. Here they were in the desert. Here they were maybe in the valley places. Jericho was the city of palm trees because it, it's close to the Dead Sea. It was at a low level. But, but, but Lebanon was to the northwest of them, and there were the mountains and the high points, the white mountains, and there was a harshness that come. But in the middle of that harshness, in the middle of those winters, there was a cedar tree that grew, and the cedar was resilient. There are still somewhere around seven or eight trees uh, uh, in Lebanon that predate the time of Christ that go back thousands and thousands of years. And one of the things known about the cedars in Lebanon was their tenacity. It was their tenacity. It did not matter what was coming. It did not matter the harshness of the winter. They're just going to keep on growing. Seasons come and seasons go and days pass and ages gone by. There are trees that are still standing that have stood through more empires than you can count on your fingers. That's the resilience and the tenacity of those trees, yet they are still standing. You know what he's saying here? The righteous not only are going to have an uplifting, they're not only going to have a breaking forth, but the righteous are going to have a tenacity. They're going to have a tenacity that it doesn't matter what the seasons blow in. It doesn't matter what comes through. The season's going to come. It's going to go. And there they're still standing praising the King of Kings. There they are still standing magnifying the name of the Lord. Can I tell you on this Memorial Day weekend I'm thankful for some cedar trees in the kingdom of God. You've outlasted the weather, you've outlasted the empires of temptation, you've out, and you're still standing. I'm still praising God. I'm still magnifying the name of the Lord. I'm not going away. I'm not giving in. I'm not quitting. I'm not throwing in the towel. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And it's a truth, it's a word, it's a prophecy. The righteous shall flourish. I got a news for you. Amen. It doesn't matter what's coming in your tomorrow. I don't know, but if you're righteous, if God is your God, if he's your Lord, if he's your Savior, you're still going to be here when the storm passes. You're still going to be here when the trial is gone. Praise the Lord, somebody. Hallelujah, hallelujah. My hope is certain. My future is secure. My faith, amen, on Christ the solid rock I stand. 
all other ground sinking sand. But in Christ, in Christ, there's this truth proclamation that I shall flourish, that I shall grow, that I shall continue. And so we come now, Psalm 92, go on. Look at what he says after that. Not only do they flourish and do they grow in verse 13, look at the next two verses. Let's, let's do that before we go on. He said, here it is, those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. You want you you uh, uh, a resolve, a to-do list? You want instruction? Here it is. Be planted in the house of the Lord. Plant your life in the house of the Lord. Plant your spirit in the house of the Lord. Uh, somebody said they had a drug problem. Their parents drugged them to church, drugged them to prayer meeting, drugged them to Sunday school, drugged them to work day. That was my problem as a kid growing up. I was there. I thought I lived at the church. I lived at the church. Uh, I, I loved the church. I knew every, I knew every little place in the church. I, I, I grew up as a kid. I don't know. You could call me a church rat. I... I our, we had a large church, and there was all kinds of little hallways and little secret passages and things. And, I mean, I got up there, and I helped as a kid. We were always around. Went through the crawl space all up and down in the ceiling up there. There's all kinds of things up there. I've been up there. I've crawled around on the I-beams up underneath the roof, been on top of the roof. Probably shouldn't be confessing all of these things here <laughs> as a young person. <clears throat> I just love church. If you ever wanted to do anything, you went to church. So we'd go hang out. We'd go hang out at church. That's it was just always there. You know, my parents helped do that to me. Now, at some point, though, I had to make that decision for myself. you got to make that for yourself. I want to plant myself in the house of the Lord. When you plant yourself in the house of the Lord, you're going to flourish in the court of, of our God, he said. But don't expect to flourish in the court of God if, your house, if you are not planted in the house of the Lord, in the things of God. And so here it is. He says, those that be planted. But then look at what he says in verse 14. This is good. They shall still, somebody say still, still bring forth fruit in old age, and they shall be fat and flourishing. Amen. Amen. Come on, somebody say, I'm heading that way. Come on. Woo. They shall still give fruit. In the old age. Come on, I'm going to tell you, the longer I live for God, I may not be able to jump. The other night, Luca wanted to, uh, wants to fly, so I have to get on my back and put him on my feet and throw him up in the air. He wants to fly. And then he wanted to ride on my back and, and say, wanted to ride, you know, like, like a horse. So I'm crawling around on the carpet, and then I got on the part that's not carpet, and oh, my knees were like, ah. I'm not going to be able to do that forever. I'm going to go buy knee pads. <laughs> Amen. Your bodies may age. You may not be able to do the things you, but you can still be bringing forth praise. You can still be bringing forth glory. You can still be bringing forth faith in your life. This is the declaration of the Lord, of the word of the Lord. I'm not saying you don't go through harsh seasons. No, in fact, it's the opposite. Yes, you will go through winters. Yes, you will go through storms. Yes, you will go through those hard things. But here is the word.
word of the Lord that you're still going to flourish, that you're still going to grow, that you're still going to be standing and nothing is going to be able to sway you. I read a quote the other day in a book and he said this. He said, the storm will break the brittle trunk but only bend the resilient one. We have nine trees in our yard. Every time it storms. I I walked around the yard the other day. It took me four or five trips around the yard just to pick up all the twigs. They come down. We've got some dead branches up there and those sugar gum trees and, and, and I need to climb up there and cut down a few of those things because it's just constantly falling there. But a storm comes through. When a storm comes through, it breaks the dead things. And you see that strewn across the lawn. But the resilient ones are still standing. I don't want to be a casualty in the kingdom of God. But hear me, if I am a casualty in the kingdom of God, don't look at the pastor or the preacher and say, well, it must not be true. It must not work because the preacher failed. No, if the preacher fails, it's because something was broken down in the preacher. The word of God is true. If you stay faithful to God and you serve God, you may go through some harsh storm. It may bend you till you're touching the ground. Amen. But if you hold on, God's going to keep you. God's going to keep you and he's going to bring you through. Psalm 16 now. We come back to this. And here is this golden psalm. And I close with this. It's a golden psalm. It's, it's, It's one of the classics, one of the highest if they were ranking some of the songs, there's, there's those good songs, but then there's some that they reserve and they place a little bit higher. This one was the golden psalm. It was the golden poem that you would hold up. And it's in this declaration that David says, let, let's read the chapter. Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord, my goodness extendeth not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth, and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names unto my lips. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Here he's praising God and thanking God. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. Lord, I, I thank you that I was brought up in a house that follows after your ways. And he said, I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel, my reins, also instruct me in the night season. He's talking about I have reins and and God is the one who holds those reins. He directs me. He steers me. He guides me in the night season when I can't see. The Lord is seeing to it that my footsteps are right. And then verse 8 is really, it's really the resolve. He says, I have set the Lord always before me. 
that God is always before me. He, he, he is not saying that he has power to move God around. No, what he's saying is that there is no vision, there is no line of intention that God is not in view, that God is not in my pathway. I've set the Lord always before me. Every desire, every objective, every thought I, I proceed with, I do it in lens and view of Christ, of my Savior, of my Lord, of my God. And he said, I've set him always before me. Now watch the language here. He said, I've set him always before me. But then he says, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Now, now he's talking here with metaphors. He's saying, I set him before me, but then he says he's at my right hand. Well, well, what he's talking about when we see the right hand or the right arm of God is never a place of geological positioning, amen, but it is a metaphor of the right arm, the right hand. It is the hand of power, the hand that executes the will of God. It's the hand of, uh, of authority. And he says, I have not only set God in front of me, but he is at my right hand. I have given him authority to exercise and to execute his will and his purpose in my life. And when God is the one that is executing his will in your life, he said on that, I know I shall not be moved. I'm not going to be moved. I'm not going to be swayed. I'm not going to be shaken because God's in my vision and I've given him authority to exercise his will in my life. Therefore, because of all of that, he said, therefore, he said, my heart, what does he say? Is glad. My heart is glad because God's before me and he's at my right hand. Can I tell you, sometimes life robs our joy and it wants to steal our joy. You know how it steals our joy? By displacing the Lord from your right hand. Hear me. And by displacing God from out of the vision of what you are doing. Maybe, am I preached too long? Come to the music, Brother Chuck. Come on, you don't even have to go around. You can just run right up the aisle. I don't even, I don't even. The quicker you get here, the quicker they think we're almost done. Here it is. Now, I'm preaching to myself today. Is this okay? I'm going to preach to myself for a little bit, all right? So it doesn't even matter. I'm preaching to myself right now. Some days you get up in the morning and life happens or things happen, and it seems like life is just trying to rob your joy. Steal your joy. And you start walking around. If you're not careful, you can start walking around saying, man, oh, man, this is hard. This is tough. This living for God stuff is tough. Man, can I just be real? You're not here. I'm preaching to myself. This pastoring stuff is tough. Man, you, you're hearing about this and you're hearing with that and you're dealing with that and all that stuff. And if you displace the Lord from your right hand, and if you allow God to fall out of the path of being in line of your vision, you can't say, therefore, my heart will be glad. You're looking for joy. We could try to fill it up. I, I, I enjoy hobbies. I enjoy things. 
Thank God for that. Fishing, it's good to do some things like that. Go out and do all that stuff. Those things are good. Those are, those are natural things. But if you do those things while God is not at your right hand and he's not in your line of vision, you're not going to find joy. You're not going to find happiness. It's going to rob. It's going to steal from you. David's declaration of resolve, of joy, of gladness was based in the word of God. It was based upon the truth that the righteous shall flourish and shall grow. And as long as I'm standing in the place of the righteous, as long as God is before me, and as long as he is executing his will in my life, I'm going to be glad. Doesn't matter because if sickness comes, he's before me and he has authority to execute his will. When sickness comes, God can speak and say, sickness be gone. So if it's not gone and I'm in the place of the righteous, then it means the Lord's permitting it to stay and he's executing his will. I need more money. You give, but if God is executing his will, I can look and say, yeah, there's things I need. Yes, there's things I need. But you know what? I still have joy. I still have glory. My glory rejoices in the Lord. I still have goodness. I, I, I'm, I'm thankful for the things that God has done inside of my life. And there's a resolve inside of me. Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was waiting for him. I'm living life with a smile because of what's waiting for me. Don't you feel sorry for me because I've given up things of this world. Don't you feel sorry for me for one moment because I'm carrying a cross in my life. Don't you feel sorry for me when you see me expending myself for the kingdom of God. I'm doing it. You're doing it. We're doing it because there's a tenacity in us that says we're giving, we're serving, we're laboring, we're loving because there's a joy that's waiting for us. And because I know what's waiting and because I know who's before me and I, I know who's working on my behalf, therefore, I will be glad right now, right now in this moment. Because he's at my right hand, I'm not going to be moved. He said, I will not be moved. Temptation will not move me. Come on, trial will not move me. I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. He's saying I'm not going to be moved. If you're moved about too easy by circumstance and weather, then maybe you need to re-examine your life. And you need to re-examine where God is in your life and how much authority He has in your life. If joy seems fleeting and beyond reach, maybe you need to come back because the Word of God is not broken. Come on. The Word of God is not broken. I'm not telling you I have joy every day. What I'm saying is every day that I repent and put myself in right relationship with God, I have joy. And when joy has left me, I got to get back to the old prayer closet. I got to get back to the old altar. I got to open up the Word of God and say, God, will you begin to work in my life? Stand together with me. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place today. Look at what he says. He goes on from verse 9. 
And he says, my flesh also shall rest in hope. You know what he's saying? My flesh literally shall rest. That means to abide. I dwell in hope. Then in verse 10, he says, for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. No, neither David's talking about, you won't leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. David saw the resurrection of Jesus Christ in that verse right there. And because of the resurrection of Messiah, he said, I know I'm not going to be left in the grave. But he says in verse 11, thou will show me the path of life. And here it is. In thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand, not my right hand, but his right hand, God's right hand, God's right hand of execution of power, he said there are pleasures forevermore. Executing the will and the purpose of God is the greatest pleasure that you will ever, ever experience in your life. And and we don't have to wait for heaven to be in the presence of the Lord. Oh, we're going to be in the presence like never before. But right now, in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. So if joy is eluding you, if it's escaping you, then what you need is you need to be brought back into the presence of the Lord. What I need is I need to be brought back into the presence of the Lord. I'm praying today for somebody here that needs a revival of joy in your life. That needs a revival of gladness in your life. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Lord, in Jesus' name, I come in faith right now declaring the Word of God. It is a promise. It is a truth. It is not, God, just a possibility or a maybe, but God, it is an absolute.